Welcome to the River Valley Podcast. River Valley is a group of people seeking to connect to Jesus and connect to each other. And we're excited that you're here. Whether you're listening at home, on the job, maybe at the gym, in the car, wherever you're joining us, I hope that you'll open up your heart, open up your mind, and receive a fresh word from the Lord today. Enjoy the message. Well, welcome to River Valley. I want one thing cleared up right away. Amy is sitting there playing background music for Ben, which makes his talk seem much cooler than my talk. All right, so I got, all right, like, this is raw. He got background music and mood lighting, and I just got us at 8.15. So, so uh, it's not going to be as good. So, hey, when you start a new service, I'm not concerned at this point in the life of River Valley that no one's going to show up. I, was, I did think through a little bit like, will anyone come early? Way to go, my missionaries. You, did, you guys did good. I really appreciate it. And here's what I know about people that will come early is that most of you are either a early bird or are married to an early bird, uh, which is, you know, like we'll have a marriage series coming up soon for you guys. Uh, and so, but, but you guys are are always the most lively and so it's easy it's easy with with early birds to get you guys and so I really really appreciate that because I'm telling you it makes a ton of difference it really and truly does and so I want to thank you for doing what you're doing right now and encourage you don't stop till Jesus comes back all right so just keep on coming keep on and uh, we will continue to see God bless us so we're gonna begin a new series today we're gonna be in the book of first Peter and so, First uh, Peter is, is a book where he is going to prepare a group of churches. Peter's going to prepare a group of churches that are about to go through a rough patch, that are about to go through some things that they didn't know that were even coming. And Peter is telling them in advance, those things are coming. Now, I don't, I'm not a prophet and neither is anyone else that you know. And so, uh, I don't know what's coming. And so from time to time, I'll hear people like predict how bad things are getting or are going to get and everything. And it's, it's mostly a political viewpoint that you think the other guys are going to make the world end. I, I don't know if that's true or not. And frankly, no one else does either. We don't know what's coming in the future, but we do know that God gives us a word so that we can be prepared for whatever comes in the future. And so if it's good, woohoo, we're prepared. But if it's bad, we are prepared as well. Now for suffering, there's, there's kind of two types of suffering. There's individual suffering. Uh, you, something happens to you. Um, individual suffering, though, even within it, uh, has huge ripple effects. So if, you, if, you're not, if you're standing beside the person who got the bad diagnosis from the doctor, they're going to suffer because of, uh, of the diagnosis, but you're going to suffer because of your love and connection to them. And so suffering has ripple effects uh, that are as profound a lot of times as the person who's actually going through it. But there's also group suffering. There's also uh, when a group of people because of a circumstance suffers. You know, uh, today is 9-11. Can you imagine the ripple effects that went throughout our country, but especially those people who were in New York? This is, uh, you know, this this time period is the anniversary time period of, of uh, the fires here at, 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 in Bastrop. And for those of us who lost their homes or had people, you know, had, or had something uh, happen to them because of that, there's, there's group suffering. And, and, and Peter's preparing this church, this group of churches, for a group suffering moment. Now, 
Here's the question I thought about, and here's what you can go and talk about at lunch today. If suffering was coming, would you want to know? It's really an interesting question. I mean, would you, you, I mean, you know, would you want to know until it happens? And, and I've thought about that quite a bit. And, the, and I think the answer is I wouldn't want to know. I mean, you know, if like something bad was coming in the future because it would ruin your days up until that moment. You're like, oh, in three days, you know, bad's going to happen. You know, and you're at Disneyland right then, but you're thinking about the bad thing. So that, that's not going to help you. But what I have thought about is you would want to know suffering was coming if you could do something in advance to alleviate at least how severe the suffering was. You would want to know in advance if you're like, hey, something's coming, but you can prepare and be ready for it. That's what Peter is doing here. So it sounds strange, but this is a book of encouragement. This is a book where Peter is going to tell some people, listen, some suffering is coming, but if you will listen to what I say, if you will do what I say, then you can be ready. So it's not like suffering is coming and somebody's going to start following us around with a cello playing jobs. Music, you know, like, you know, and you're like, oh, no, no, no. It's, hey, suffering's coming, but I want you to be prepared so that when it does come, you can attack it. You can get after it. And so that's what we're talking about. Now, in this book, <clears throat> the suffering is very interesting because it's actually historical. We actually know what happened. This book was written in about 62 or 63 uh, AD. And so the emperor of Rome during this time, here's his bust, his, his name was Nero. And so Nero is the emperor of Rome. And so uh, that's a good looking man, isn't it? And so, so Nero, now Nero was a horrible, horrible emperor. He wanted to rule himself. He didn't want anyone telling him what to do. His mother was his advisor. He didn't like her advice, so he, cat, he literally murdered his mother. And that's bad. I mean, I, mean, that, I mean, can you imagine that kind of, of person that would do that? So, so Nero is the emperor of Rome, and Nero's looking out literally one day at Rome and decides, I want a new palace. But where I want a new palace, there are already buildings and structures there. So there's already, you know, the, the good land that was on a hill. You know, everybody wants to be up kind of high. The good land on a hill where he wants, to put his, he wants to put his palace. He's called it the Golden Palace. He wants to build it there. There's already houses. So what does he do? The man who can do anything, the man who thinks he can anyway, he has the city burned. He burns Rome. Several of the districts are completely, completely destroyed. And, the, you know, the famous saying, we don't know historically if it's true or not, that he watched on the balcony and he fiddled. Nero fiddled while Rome burnt because he knew he was going to be able to build his palace there. Well, it didn't turn out that way. People found out he was in charge of it or, or responsible for it. And so they began to blame Nero. Well, all of a sudden, he's taking pressure he's never had before and having to be accountable for his actions. So he looks around and he's like, oh, let's... Let's pick a group to blame. Ah, how about that new group? A lot of people don't like them. I think the Christians set fire to Rome and begins to spread widespread rumors that the Christians were the ones that uh, burned Rome. We didn't have anything to do with it, but we were blamed for it. And it systematically went out and there was widespread persecution of Christians during this time because of Nero's deception and lies. Now, Peter has been connecting with the Lord and knows this is coming, is going to tell them, hey, 
persecution or suffering is about to come. Even if you aren't directly persecuted, you're going to suffer because of who you are in Jesus Christ. And so he's writing the book of First Peter to say, get ready for suffering. So you and I can learn for it, even if we're not going to be persecuted in our lives. The suffering that comes in so many different ways, it's impossible to know what it's going to be and how it's uh, going to come about you, but you can prepare for it. And I want to say this, the preparation that we're going to do is spiritual. I do not want you going and stocking up on beans and rice from Costco, all right? You have enough guns already, okay? I mean, some of you are like, I guarantee you, I, I guarantee you I'll get booed at least one on that. So some will be like, there's never enough guns, you, you, you know? So we live in Texas. I tell people from out of state, uh, uh, I'm not a gun guy. I only have three guns. And so that's, that's the, how Texas works, right? So, so don't, don't prepare by going and thinking that you're going to save yourself from suffering in this way. We're going to prepare spiritually. So 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. You are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You rejoice in this, even though now for a short uh, uh don't you hate it when you lose your place? All right, here we go. You rejoice in this, even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief and various trials. Why? So your proven characters refined by fire, and it may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you've not, you're now seeing him, you believe in him, and you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So Peter starts out this section and says, before we get into the preparation that we're going to spend in going through this book, let me remind you of some tools. Let me remind you of some things that you already possess. If you are in Christ Jesus, if he has saved you from your sins, you already possess certain tools and weapons in order to be ready for this suffering that is coming. So let me give you an illustration. In the late ni in, uh, 1900, there's a man, and he's going around, and he is uh, looking at his ranch. And there's been a drought, and he is suffering. He is so much, he is afraid he's about to have to declare bankruptcy. So he's riding around on his horse one day, just thinking what he's going to do. And he comes across three men on his land. And those three men are not supposed to be there. So he goes up to them and he says, what are you doing? They said, well, they're wildcatters. Wildcatters in that day were not associated with one of the big oil companies like Standard Oil. And so they say, we think you've got uh, oil on your land. Can you drill? Well, when you're about to go bankrupt, you're like, sure, you know, try, try it out. And, and uh, he says, why do you think that? And he said, and, and one of them was associated with his church. They had been at a church picnic recently on his property. And natural gas was seeping up from the ground. And they smelled it, so they thought it was fun. So they were lighting the gas that was coming out of the ground. That can't, that can't be safe. And so, but that, it, it was everywhere. And so... So he said, okay, well, let's, let's try it. So they, so they dug several times, and uh, they dug this well. 
And eventually, they hit oil. This is an actual picture of where they hit oil. This is in Beaumont, Texas, January 10th, 1901, where they hit a very famous oil well. What's the name of it? Spindle top. Who was it? Who's my? T- nice. I love history. There you go. So this is a spindle top. I always thought that spindle top was actually a uh, a single well. It's not. Just leave that picture right there, though. All right. So here's the deal. Spindle top. Uh, until they could cap this this oil in the first nine days, it was pouring out 100,000 barrels of oil a day. Until they could cap it. And then they capped it. And then over the next year, this oil well produced 17 million barrels of oil. And it's not just one place. It's actually Spindletop Hill. Let me show you a picture of Spindletop Hill later on. That's a lot of oil, isn't it? Can you imagine riding around on a horse on your land thinking, I have no money. I'm going to have to declare bankruptcy. My life is horrible. How will I pay my bills? When literally right at your feet is this, the most profitable oil uh, ever found in the United States. Uh, This is, you know, it's kind of hard for us Texans to wrap our mind around, but at this time, we thought all the oil was in Ohio. Uh, You you know, you're like, oh man, if I only lived in Ohio and had oil. You, You know, no one ever thinks about that today. And it's right there in their feet. Here's what I think we do. I think we're like this man. I think we ride around sometimes and poor little old me, man, this law was just passed. Oh no, inflation is up. Oh no, this thing has happened or this thing might happen or oh my goodness. And we act as if we have nothing at our disposal. We act as if the world is ending, like we have no control and we have these incredible, unbelievable reserves at our feet, life changing reserves that Christ has given us. What does he give us? He says very first in verse three, he says, you are made into a new birth, that's salvation. What does that birth give you? First thing he says, a living hope, a living hope. Now, when you hear that first, you think, well, I'm not sure I wouldn't rather have an oil well. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, like, I mean, hope is good, but you, you, you can't, you can't buy near as much. No, no, no. You need to understand the type of hope that he's, having, that he's showing us. And he actually gives us the illustration. He says, through the resurrection, the hope is the resurrection. When you are looking at suffering, when you are looking at horrible times ahead, or when you're in the middle of them, some of you don't need to be prepared for suffering. Some of you come in today and you're suffering. You're in the midst of a crisis or a hurting moment. You're already there. And so God says, I want to show you what hope is. Hope is based on or looks like the resurrection. Think about Jesus before the resurrection. He suffers at the hand of Pontius Pilate. He is is tormented and tortured. He is crucified horribly on a cross. So so suffering, the the idea of, of a hope is that we have triumph even when we are in suffering. Even in the moments where things are going bad and, and people are hurting us or, or situations are out of our control, we have triumph in suffering. 
We have truly tried. Jesus is looking out on the people and he's praying for them as they're, as they're mocking him, as they're spitting upon him. He's, he's uh, making sure his mom is taken care of by John. He's making sure that, that God forgives the people. He says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He is truly, truly living in triumph even while he's suffering. And then in uh, his death, he is triumphed over suffering. Man, he, he is no longer suffering in, in his actual death. That, that, that pain, physical pain or whatever is going on cannot hurt him. And then he shows us that you and I can be uh, free or triumph from suffering as we spend a life in heaven. The Bible's going to talk to us in a second about rewards. As bad as it gets on this world, what, what if Christians here were to be persecuted? One day it will happen. One day there will be a worldwide persecution of Christians. But even as bad as those things are, even as bad as our brothers or sisters who are throughout the world, who are literally living in regimes where they are suffering right now because they are believers, the Bible teaches there's a living hope. You can triumph while you're in suffering. You can triumph over suffering. In other words, you come out on the opposite side. And if death is what happens, then you will triumph from suffering that we will never experience it again. That we will never experience in heaven suffering of any kind. Praise the Lord that we have true hope in our day. So he says we get hope. The second um, um, the, um, tool that we have at our disposal, look at verse 4. We have an inheritance. It's imperishable. It's undefiled. It's unfading. It's kept in heaven. It's an inheritance. God says, for those who are suffering Christ Jesus, you have an inheritance. And the inheritance, I love this, is unimperishable. Now, you guys know, uh, so we're, what, 11 years out from the fires. We, we lost, my, my family and I, we lost our home in the fire. Uh, but we were insured. Uh, and I praise God for that. I like insurance. Sometimes people... Uh, like, I mean, I am such a big believer in insurance. Like, I have every kind of insurance imaginable now after needing it once. I mean, people are like, you know, you know, like I have a special kind of insurance that if I die by a rhino attacking me, you know, like I get an X or something. I mean, I do. I have everything. You know, if aliens come and abduct me, I'm like, woohoo, more money. I got insurance, okay? So, so we got money back. And it was, it was, it really was, it was a, a financial blessing for us. Now, part of the problem was that everything was gone. Every, like my wife, I mean, we had to buy everything that you have in your home all at once. And, you know, our kids are little creeps. Like, are we going shopping again? You, you know, and just, you're like, we went last week and you're like, yeah, we bought summer clothes last week. Now we got to buy winter clothes. Now we got to go buy spatulas, you know, and just, just that, that thing. And, and uh, we also bought a new home. We built a home. So if you can imagine, this actually happened to me. It probably won't happen ever again in, in most of our lives, but Every single thing we had was new. Everything. Now, everything. Our home was new. Our, uh, you know, clothes were new. Everything in our home was brand new all at once, which is fantastic for a person like me because I think I'm doing home repairs when I change a light bulb. I mean, I am not handy at all, but I didn't have to worry about being handy because I didn't have to fix anything because it was all brand new. Everything was brand new. Now, I praise God that my home is very sturdy and will last a long, long time. But for those of us who went through the fires, I've got several friends that went through it. Here's what we're starting to notice. The stuff in the homes is breaking. 
I mean, now that we are done, and it's weird to us because your grandmother had the same washing machine for 400 years. I mean, like, it worked forever. And now we have all of these electronic-type things, and they're all breaking. I mean, all my friends, like the dishwasher and the washing machine and the refrigerator and all of the appliances and the things associated with they don't last near as long as they do. And part of it is because the electronic components, I, I, I am not against technology, but I can't figure out my, my, why my washing machine needs to be hooked up to the internet. I can't figure it out. You're like, that's so you can start it from the phone. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. So you can open it, punch in your code, make sure it connects to the Wi-Fi, and then click start, or you can go start. I mean, I can't figure out why that's like an advantage, you, you, you know? Like, it makes no sense, but it's all breaking. And, and, and some of it is wearing out fast. Now, men, you will agree with me. When I buy clothes, I make a lifetime commitment to that pair of clothes. I mean, we are in. I mean, I love you too. It's like a marriage, I, I promise, for better or for worse. And it starts out for better, but then styles change, and Melinda's like, it's for worse. I'm like, but it still fits. It's still good. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and I make this lifetime commitment, and, but my clothes are starting to give up on me. My clothes are starting to wear out. You, all of this that was brand new is perishing. That's not the way it is in heaven. In heaven, you will, uh, I, I love, you, you guys will remember years ago, I, I love uh, the book Undaunted Courage about the Lewis and Clark expedition because I, I, I want to explore. Like, I, I let me back up. I want to explore hard for the day and then come over a hill and there's a La Quinta. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, that kind of thing, right? And, and they didn't get that. But, but I want to explore. All, and wouldn't it be amazing? And I, I really think it, like it's something in me. Like there'll be a, a time in heaven where Jesus and I, and maybe a party, and we will go exploring. And we'll build a new city or we'll build a new home. And, and think about it. And then we'll come back a million years later. And we'll open the door to this home and it won't, you won't even have to dust. It will be perfect. There is nothing that will fade. There's no cracks in the foundation. There are no dishwashers that need repairs. It's perfect. Jesus says, when you get to heaven, the rewards that you earn when you suffer rightly, which he's going to teach us how to do, then guess what? It's imperishable. It's undefiled. It can never be taken away. That's what he promises you and I when we do life correctly, when we suffer correctly with what is in heaven. We absolutely get an imperishable inheritance. Number three, he says, we are guarded in this life. We are guarded by God's power. We are guarded by God's power. In other words, your strength is not what guards you. When your strength fails, God guards you. It says, as if he stands over you with a shield. Now, I'm going to tell you a story. I've never told it, River Valley. And uh, if you like this story, this story is a redneck detector. Uh, and so if you like this story, if you're like me and you're like, I resonate with that, you're my people. Okay? All right, so here's the story. I'm a sophomore in high school. Me and my friends are out, and we hung out in a parking lot on Saturday night. That's what we did. All the kids came to the parking lot. 
and a new guy is in town, which in my town is never, never, ever happens. People move away, but no one ever moves in. And so this new guy, and he's one of those weirdos like uh, that's in his early 20s, but he's hanging out with the high schoolers, you know, one of those guys. And he's lippy. He is mouthy, and he is just a big talker. And I look at one of my friends, and I say, you know what? I think I'm just going to go pick a fight with him. And my friend's like, why? And I was like, well, it's Saturday night. What are you going to do, Hereford, Texas? And so I think I'm going to go fight because he's not a big guy, and I know how to pick a fight. I pick fights with little guys. And so, yeah, 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 you know, so, so I, I think, you know, that's what I'm just going to go do, you know, just welcome to Hereford. And uh, so anyway, so I'm walking over, and another friend hears me, and he stops me, and he says, dude, don't do that. I was like, why? And he said, I was here last night, and I guess I was gone for a little bit or what. So he said, I was here last night, and he said, that guy beat up, and it was a senior football player that we all look up to that was big and tough. And he said, he's some kind of like MMA fighter or something. And he said, I've never seen somebody fight like this guy. He is so quick and so mean. And I was like, well, I believe I'll just step back. And so, so you know, so I stepped back. <clears throat> And I'm watching, we watch him that night, and he's lippy long enough that somebody bows up to him, and they fight, and he's, he's crazy good. And he just climbs up and down this guy and just tears him apart. And then the next weekend, he does it. And the next night, he does it. And for weeks on end, he would just walk through, and it was just like anyone who set him off for anything, he'd be like, you! And they would just beat him up. I mean, big guys much bigger than him my friends we're sophomores so the seniors can't beat him up we certainly can't so we're just in fear all the time you know like i make sure my girlfriend is close to me so if he picks me i'm like what her her yeah yeah, you know that and so i'm just and we nickname him the devil uh and so we just and he was so mean and uh this went on for for at least a month i mean i saw him i saw him beat up uh three or four or five guys in in that time and uh one night we're at a party, and, uh, and he's picked out, the devil's picked out his nightly victim. And you're just sitting there thinking, oh, here it goes again. Here we go. And right before they started fighting, I heard somebody in the crowd go, now! And about 10 guys jump out and jump on the devil. And I mean, like, like the, the, this group of guys had it planned. And they, they get him and they hold him down. I mean, like this. I mean, and they just start waylaying him. And you're just sitting there going, I can't believe this is happening. Yeah, yeah, you know, and like, and you've got so much anxiety built up over this. I one time looked at him, and they were like, you know, and I was like, mm, you, you know, like, you know, so he didn't know it was me, but I jumped in a little bit too, you know. And I mean, they hurt him bad. They hurt him so bad, and they, they basically, they're like, this is enough. You're not doing this here. And I mean, they, and, and when literally, we never saw the devil again. I mean, that was the last night. I don't know where he went. I don't know what happened to him, because they told him at the end, listen, we're going to do it every time you show up. Not every time you fight. Every time you show up, you're not welcome here. Get out. And he was gone. And he was gone. True story. That's exactly how God's power works in your life. That is exactly how it works. When the devil comes and you try to go toe-to-toe or you watch a friend try to go toe-to-toe, the Bible says he's like a roaring lion. And we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. We don't defeat him. We sit there and watch while Jesus beats him up. 
We sit there and watch while God guards us by his holy power, by his awesome might. The extenuating circumstances of our lives and the things that we can never do for ourselves, God does for us. He guards us by his power. So we say, thank you, praise you, Jesus. Thank you that I don't have to hold on to my living hope. Thank you, Jesus, that I don't have to hold on to my salvation. You hold it for me. Thank you, Jesus, that you hold my life. Such an important verse. Uh, John chapter 10, verse 28. John chapter 10, verse 28 says, Jesus says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will ever snatch them out of my hand. Jesus says, you are a precious gift. You are a precious gift like this ring. Melinda gave me this ring. You are a precious gift. And Jesus says, I put that in there and I hold you close and no one can snatch you out. I am stronger, I am better, I am the God of the universe, and you are a gift that my Father gave me, and you cannot be snatched, you cannot be taken. Your eternity is secure when you are in Christ Jesus. It's not like, oh no, I said three cuss words and did a, and did a bad thing, so now, you know, probably got to start over. No, Jesus says, no, you are held by my power, and I overcame death, hell, and the grave. And so he gives us this ability to grow and to reach and to join, and he says, I want you to become more like me in that power. He gives us this example of a refiner's fire. In verse 7, he says, listen, I'm guarding you by my power. And guess what? You're going to start looking more like me. See, a refiner's fire is where you get all of the, the rock and all of the ore and all of the mixed elements and you put them all together. And then the refiner heats them up more and more and more and more. And different, different types of metal and different types of rock melt at different temperatures. And so as they melt, the dross floats to the top and you skim it off and you skim it off. And it's got to get hotter and hotter for different elements to come to the surface and to melt off until all that is left is either pure gold or pure silver. And the refiner knows when it's done in that there's no more bad elements where he can look into the silver or he can look into the gold. And it's like a mirror. He can see his own reflection because everything has been loosened. Everything has been gone. And he's saying, now come home. You're like me. Come home. I want you to be together. I want to be together. Now, until this moment, the great identifier of whether you are truly in Christ is this suffering. You and I will suffer because of the name of Jesus Christ. We will go through hardships and trials. And Peter tells his followers, listen, it's coming. It's coming. I want you to know, though, I have overcome the world. And so three times in this text, we are given a response to the fact that we know that Jesus is our protector. Jesus is our overcomer. He says in uh, verse, uh, blessed be the God in verse 3. And then in verse 6, he says we rejoice in that. And then in verse 7, it says that. Our suffering results in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus. So 
we suffer, but we praise God even in our suffering, and we praise God through our suffering. We praise God when we are done and over with our suffering because we know He is the one who has brought us through. He is the one who has kept us close in all of these days. Jesus is the one who is worthy of our praise even when things don't go right. So today, if you're in suffering, Man, I'm sorry. You do not have to praise God for the actual event. That's not what he's saying. You have to praise God for the fact that he is our example, that he overcame suffering. You praise God that he is helping you. You praise God in faith that he is showing you the way through that in power and honesty. He is showing you how that there will be an end. For most of us, there will be an end to that period of suffering. And then ultimately, on our deathbed, we will know that he will take us to a reward, an inheritance. It's imperishable, never spoil. It will never fade. It will always be there. If the joy of receiving our goal of our faith is the salvation of our souls. Let's pray. Right where you are today, is your faith resulting in the salvation of your souls? Are you being saved today? It's a continuous action. We are saved once and for all at our salvation event. But we are saved and more like him daily as we suffer, as the, as the fire gets hotter and we get let go of the dross of our life and the things and, and more and more that we are uh, brought back and look more like Jesus. And so today, are you there if you're suffering in that moment, I'm about to pray for you. If you're suffering right now, man, I'm so sorry. It's, it's, it's hard. It's hard. I'm sorry. It hurts when you love people and they suffer. And I love you. I love River Valley. And I'm sorry. But I want you today to look to the author and perfecter of our faith. I want you to think of the cross and the resurrection and how they are symbols of going through suffering with triumph, going uh, that suffering, most of the situations will end. But ultimately, we will triumph from suffering. We will not experience it in heaven. We will have perfection in every way in the presence of Jesus Christ as Lord. Today, if you don't have that type of faith in your salvation, you can pray to Jesus right now. God, I, I get that through the resurrection, Jesus' death on the cross. Jesus' burial, Jesus' resurrection. Today, if you will ask him to be the Lord of your life, then he will save you and set you free. Right where you are today, ask him, Jesus, be my Lord. Forgive my sin. Set me free. Jesus, I believe in your resurrection. And Father, for those who are suffering today. God, I pray that you would be with them, that you would show them the inheritance that will never perish, spoil, or fade. Jesus, that you will give them eternity in you, and that through this day, you will give them a living hope, an imperishable, undefiled inheritance, and God, you will guard them by your power. In Christ Jesus, I pray. Thank you for listening. 
I pray that the message gave you hope, that you were inspired, you were challenged. And I want to also encourage you that if you'd like to join us live, you can go to myrivervalley.church or download the River Valley app for more info about service times, directions, and ministries. And thank you for giving. Your generosity and how you serve as our church family is so important to us. You are helping reach people for the gospel of Jesus. You can go to myrivervalley.church give for more details there as well. We'll see you next week.